Good afternoon once again. Uh, good afternoon, thank you, brother. Good afternoon once again. It's a joy to be together to worship the Lord. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, let me go ahead and get you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, as we kick off uh, the first sermon today in our new sermon series, Marks of a Biblical Church. So Marks of a Biblical Church. And my heart and prayer for this series is that it would serve, uh, yeah, that it would serve to continue to shape and strengthen us as a new church. And it would continue to serve, that it would serve as a strength and a continual shaping for us as a new church. That it would grow us more and more in healthiness as a church. That we might grow in more healthiness as a church. So the plan, Lord willing, uh, starting today is to start this series, to kick this series, and over the next few weeks continue in this series uh, but then after that, uh, we'll start a series on the statement of faith. So we'll walk through our statement of faith together and a series on the church covenant following that directly after. And the hope and the prayer for all of these series that these will serve to cast vision uh, as to who we are, a church. To cast vision as to who we are, a church, and who we are becoming as a church, who we are becoming as a church, where we're heading as a church. So with that, let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you once again for your word. Thank you for this time to uh, dig into your word. God, I pray that you would help us to, yeah, Lord, be strengthened and encouraged and edified from uh, this time, Lord, as we kick off this uh, new series uh, marks of a biblical church. Lord, would you help your word to continue to shape us and continue to strengthen us and continue to grow us in more and more in the type of church that you desire for us to be, Lord. Would you continue to grow us more and more and what that means biblically and health-wise, Lord. Do that, Lord. Uh, well, thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you for, for how you have raised up a new church, Lord, to be a gospel witness here in Congress Heights and to the ends of the earth, Lord. So, God, thank you for all that you have done and will do and will continue to do. I praise you, Lord, for this church. Uh, it's a joy, Lord, to be a part of this church, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that we would all, uh, yeah, just be encouraged this afternoon by what you're doing and what you will do. Lord, would you help me to hide behind the cross? Uh, would you increase and uh, may I decrease, Lord, and may your word do the work in all of our hearts in every way that you see fit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So Acts 2, 42 through 47 reads as follows. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, 
They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. Amen. 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 So by God's grace, our church will be celebrating two years this coming April. Two years. Amen. Yeah, we can praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise, praise the Lord, right? That Lord willing, we'll be celebrating two years this upcoming April. God has raised up another gospel preaching church in the middle of the pandemic, right? In the middle of the pandemic and has preserved us throughout this time in the pandemic and is using us, has been using us, will continue to use us for his glory, for our joy, and the advancement of his gospel in this neighborhood and to the nations. This is what God is doing. This is the type of thing that God has been up to for over 2,000 years now, right? This is the type of thing that he's been up to for over 2,000 years, raising up gospel, preaching churches all over the world to make much of him that gather together regularly and make him known as they scatter. And in our passage this afternoon, we get to look at the early church, the first church. We get to, we get to look at the first church and we, we get to see what marked their gathering. We get to see what marked their gathering, what shaped their gathering in hopes that it will continue to mark ours and shape ours as a church. So a little background on the book of Acts is that Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and this is his second writing, so the Gospel of Luke, and now the book of Acts, and he's uh, writing to a brother named Theophilus. So you think about Luke 1, 1 through 4, Acts 1, 1 through 5, you can see as he has you know, uh, written this book to Theophilus, and in this book, the book of Acts, where we are this afternoon, he's picking back up on what he's already told Theophilus, right? He's picking up what he's already told Theophilus about who Jesus is and what he's done, right? And now, book of Acts, all throughout, he's now talking about what took place post-resurrection, post-resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So Jesus has already come. He's already lived a perfect sinless life. He's already died on the cross. He's already been risen from the dead on the third day in the place of sinners like you and me. This has already happened as the gospel writer here is, is thinking about the book of Acts. And he's reflecting on what Jesus has done. And, and Jesus ascended on high and is seated at the right hand of the Father, as I'm talking now, awaiting to return to scoop up his people, right? This is, what, this is where we're heading. And through Jesus' time here on earth, he appointed the 12 apostles, right? He appointed the 12 apostles in which he passed the baton to them to carry on his mission of making disciples, right? So Jesus passed the baton to them to carry on his mission of making disciples. So in Acts 1.8, Right? We see that the apostles are to be Jesus' 
witnesses, right? If you look over Acts 1-8, that's what is being said, that, that the apostles, that the believers are to be Jesus' witnesses starting at home base. Starting at home base, Jerusalem, and to the ends of the earth, that they are to be his witnesses, right? Okay? Then in chapter 1, verse 14, we are told that the apostles, along with Jesus' mom, Dukes, right? Along with his mom and, and other women, they were together. They were together, right? And so what's beautiful about even starting in the book of Acts, and as you'll see as a continual theme throughout the book of Acts, is that there's a, a, a type of togetherness that marked the early church's fellowship. There's a sense of togetherness. It says that they were together in uh, Acts 1.14, right? A togetherness marked the early church's fellowship. And we'll see this teased out a bit more uh, as we walk through this series together. We'll see that togetherness teased out a bit more. But they were together. They were together. What were they doing together? If you look at Acts 1.14, you'll see that the text there says that they were on one accord, so they were together, and they were devoting themselves to prayer. They were devoting themselves to, to prayer. These are the things that they were devoting themselves to early on, to, to prayer. They were together on one accord, unified, and devoting themselves to prayer. Then in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon all the believers, right? The Holy Spirit came upon all the believers and displayed signs of his coming in a unique way at this time in the early church, right? As they were speaking in tongues, right? And then Peter, in chapter 2, preaches the first Christian sermon. The apostle Peter preaches the first Christian sermon. And what was the content of this sermon? Well, the content of this sermon was the gospel. The content of this sermon was the gospel as he walked through the good news of Jesus. And as he walked through the good news of Jesus, those who heard this message, they responded in this way. Look at Acts 2, 37 through 38. So just a few verses above where we are this afternoon. This is how they responded. So verse 37 says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Acts 2, 37 through 38. This is after they have heard the gospel, after they have heard the preaching of God's word, they respond. Okay, I hear that. They're cut to the heart. What should we do? Well, Peter tells them, repent and believe. Be baptized. And receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens as a result of the preaching of the gospel and the hearing of the gospel. People receive Christ. They receive Christ. And they are baptized. And they are added to the church. 3,000 people to be exact. Listen to Acts 2.41. It says, so those who received his word were baptized. 
And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So those who received his word were the people who heard Peter, responded to his word, believed his word. It says they received it, so they received it, they believed it, and they were baptized as a response of their belief, of their conversion, um, being obedient to the Lord Jesus in that he modeled for us what baptism is and and what we should do in light of this good news. And then, then they were added to the church, about 3,000 souls. So this is the backdrop of our passage this afternoon. When we come to our text, I want you to notice a pattern. I want you to notice a pattern that the early church was founded. The early church was founded. The early church was established by the word, by the word, and also preserved by the word. And the believers here devoted themselves to the word. This is what the early church, so the early church, the first church, this is what they were about. This is the pattern by which the church was started, founded, and continued. So if I had to summarize our passage this afternoon, it may go something like this. If you're taking notes, here's how I would summarize it. The early church's fellowship was marked by key elements and fruit was evidence as a result. The early church, their fellowship was marked by key elements and fruit evidence as a result. Put it another way, to think about it another way as I was thinking about Acts 2, 42 through 47. Uh, another way that this passage breaks down is if you, if you look at Acts 2, 42, you may say that that is the fellowship. That is, so Acts 2, 42 is the fellowship, and then Acts 2, 43 through 47 is the fruit of their fellowship. Acts 2, 42, the fellowship, the elements, this is what marked their fellowship. 43 through 47. Here's the fruit of their fellowship. Here's the fruit of their fellowship. So this main point that I read just a few minutes ago, this will serve as our main point over the next few weeks as we look at these elements one by one. That's what we're going to do. We're going to look at each of those elements one by one. And the first one today is the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. Healthy teaching. So, church family, be devoted to healthy teaching. Be devoted to healthy teaching. Here's two points for you this afternoon. If you're taking notes, here they are. Number one, devote yourselves. Devote yourselves. You'll see that in verse 42a, right? Devote yourselves. Number two, to healthy teaching. To healthy teaching. Devote yourselves, number one. Number two, to healthy teaching. Teaching. Let's look at the first one together. Devote yourselves. Devote yourselves. We're going to be looking at posture. If you were to write a subpoint under there, posture as a subpoint. Look back with me at the text. It says, "And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching." So there are so many ways. As I was reflecting on this, that this could be fleshed out. So, so many ways that this could be fleshed out, but as I was praying about our time together, posture kept coming to mind. 
the word posture kept coming to mind. And if you think about it with me, being devoted is really a reflection of our heart posture. Being devoted is really a reflection of our heart posture. Let me explain it a little bit. When your heart isn't into something, you're not going to do it. Your heart isn't into something, you're just not going to do it. Or you may do it, but your heart may not be in the right place while you're doing it. Which means you're doing it only because you feel you have to. And not because it's maybe something of importance to you. Or something that, that you're like, yo, like, if I don't do this, like, like doing this gives me life. And so I'm going to do this because this gives me life. This isn't something that's on a, a checklist that I got to check a box off of to do. Right? The heart posture. Right? You're not going to put any energy into it if your heart ain't with it. It's just a reality, right? If your heart isn't with something, if your posture is out of whack, out of check, you're just not going to put any energy to it. You, you know this to be, I know this to be true. We know this to be true, right? For an example, uh, I grew up playing football. Uh, that was, you know, like one of the first sports that I started playing. Loved football, played it in the community. Uh, enjoyed it, wanted to be a quarterback, wide well, receiver, all those different things, right? Played basketball starting out as well, loved basketball too, um, and enjoyed playing basketball. It was until I got into high school, uh, so I played high school basketball, but in order to play high school basketball, I don't know if some of you guys' schools were like this, my school was tripping. Uh, they made you have to try out for football, like you had to play football in order to be able to try out to play basketball. I don't know if any of y'all had to deal with any of that. Down south, crazy, tripping. Uh, but I did, all right? So I made the football team. And I get out there, you know what I'm saying, during practice. And you know, I'm playing in the community. It's different, right? You ain't got pads on, stuff like that. Maybe not getting hit as hard. You might get hit, you know, but it's different. So it's different when you put on those pads, yo. So I got on those pads, and I was a lot, way more skinnier than I am now. Okay, just put that on perspective way skinnier, and I got popped, yo. I got hit by this big joker. Got hit bomb in the game or in the practice, and let's just say that changed my motivation. Come on, brother. Let's just say that that, let's just say that that changed, yeah, my devotion to that sport. <laughs> changed my devotion to football. I said, you know what, forget it. If I, if I have to play football, you know I mean, to play basketball, just forget it. I ain't gonna play, right? Just I got popped hard, yo. Changed my devotion to the sport. I wanted to play basketball, as you heard me, right? And that's really what captured my heart. That's what I was really devoted to and wanted to be devoted to. But in order to be devoted to that, I had to play football, which, in light of all of that, changed my devotion. Some of you, if not all of you, know this to be true with life. You know this to be true with life. You know this to be true with work. You know this to be true with marriage. You know this to be true with school students here. You know, I mean, just think about students. Like, if you're not devoted to doing the work in your class or whatever the case may be, the likelihood is that you might not pass. You might not pass 
right, that grade, or you might not pass that exam, if you don't put in the work, if you're not devoted to it, nine times out of 10, you may not pass that course. You may not pass that class, right? In all these different ways in life, marriage, work, family, school, et cetera, et cetera, there's an element to it where we have to be devoted to these things. There has to be a sense of devotion to these things. There has to be a sense of putting in the work. It's not just going to always come to us, right? There's an element to it where we got to kind of put in some work. We got to work towards some of these things, right? Again, want to be careful for us not to think about any works-based types of things like that. I'm not saying that we yeah, we're doing these types of things in order to receive these types of things, if you will, or to appease, if you will. I'm just more so saying, just, just thinking, you know, down to earth, we chilling, thinking about life. There's an element to it where you have to be devoted. If you, for example, you know, trying to, you know, work out, you know what I mean, eat healthy. Well, if you, if, if you don't put any devotion into it, if you're not devoted to it, that's just going to be a thought. <laughs> that's, just, this, that's just a dream. Right? This is a dream. This is an idea. It sounds good. But you got to put that down on paper. And you got to start putting some feet to that, right? That's where I'm getting at. You got to start putting some action steps towards that. There's a level of devotion that you have that is motivating you to work towards that. Y'all with me? You tracking with me? I like how one scholar comments on this. He says, the expression of devoting themselves has the idea of persistence or persevering in something, okay? The expression of devoting themselves has the idea of persistence, persistent, right? Or persevering in something. That's what devoting is. That's what devotion is, a persistence and a persevering, okay? So as we think about devoting yourselves, point number one, thinking about our posture, okay? That's what we've been talking about, our heart posture, okay? Number two, another sub-point under that would be ownership. Ownership, so posture, so devoting yourselves, posture. Sub-point number two, ownership. The text says that the believers devoted, okay? So the heart posture, they devoted, they had a good posture, they devoted themselves, right? They did this themselves, okay? It says that they devoted themselves, which means they took ownership over what they were devoting themselves to, okay? They took ownership over what they were devoting themselves to. You see this right here in the text. They could have been devoting themselves to anything and everything, but they chose to devote themselves to this. They chose to devote themselves to this element and the other elements as we'll unravel those over the next few weeks, right? They took ownership over this element. When I used to work at the Y, when, yeah, when we were in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina, when I used to work there, uh, one of my YMCA supervisors, uh, he was just really dope with it, um, just a, a phenomenal leader. And he's someone that I aspired to be. I was like, man, I, I want to be like him, you know, um, good Christian brother, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, just like other workplaces, right, you have like, you know, developmental opportunities where you get to, you know, train and learn and grow and this, that, and the third. And so we had, I mean, the Y really does this really well. You know what I mean? In North Carolina, they have a, a, a lot of ways that you can grow and 
grow as a leader, et cetera, et cetera. So I was pursuing every opportunity that I could, right? And, and also trying to pursue opportunities with him and other leaders. And I remember one time I was meeting with him and I said, I said, man, like, in, in, in some ways, I was like, yo, can you disciple me? <laughs> like, can you, can you, like, help me grow? And this is what he said. He said, he said, one, one thing he said, he said, he said, Josh, you're responsible for your own development. You're responsible for your own growth development. And that hit me, it actually kind of offended me in some way where I was like, yeah, but at the same time, you know, like, you, you know, you're my supervisor, and it's not to say he wasn't, like, helping me and helping me develop, but I, looking back at it now, reflecting on it, he's right. He's right in this way, right? Think about it in the sense of when we're thinking about, you know, devoting ourselves to the word, uh, you know, our heart posture, and now taking ownership there's an element of things in the word that we may not know, right? Or things that we um, are like, man, like I would love to grow in this. I would love to learn more about this. Or there's an element to it where you have to take ownership over that. There's an element to it where, yeah, the pastor or other leaders within the church or, you know, uh, discipling pod leaders and so forth and so forth, discipling relationship. Yes, yes. We are called to make disciples. And in doing that, we are to help others walk with Jesus, help others follow Jesus. That's true. And we should do that. At the same time, you got to walk that thing out. You got to walk that thing out. You, too, have to take ownership over your own spiritual development, over your own spiritual growth. You tracking with me? Amen. Got to read your Bible. Mm-hmm. Got to pull it out. Got to pray and ask the Lord for understanding. We have so many resources at our fingertips today, right? Many opportunities, trainings, and Bible software, and so forth and so forth. There's really no excuse for us not to be digging into God's word and learning more about God's word, right? So there's a a, a level to it where you, I, have to take ownership over that, right? At the same time, yes, we're going to seek to disciple one another. That's what the church is for. So I want you to hear me correctly when I say that. Yes, that's what the church is for, that we are, as a church, seeking to disciple one another. We are to be in discipling relationships, helping one another follow Jesus. At the same time, we all individually have to personally take ownership over that. Amen? Amen. 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 So the question is, do you take ownership? Do you take ownership over what you're devoted to? What are you devoted to? What are you devoting your, what am I, what are you devoting ourselves to? Right? Do you put in the work? Again, do not hear that as legalism. Do not hear that as works-based salvation. That's not what I'm saying. Do you put in the work? Maybe y'all strive to have the right heart posture surrounding God's word, surrounding healthy teaching, but also taking ownership over God's word and healthy teaching. So, so that's, that's 
Devote yourselves. So devote yourselves. Put some energy into that. Work towards that. Continue to work towards that. And what are we to work towards? What are we to devote ourselves to? Well, to healthy teaching. To healthy teaching. The apostles' teaching. Look back with me at the text. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. To the apostles' teaching. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which they essentially devoted themselves to healthy teaching. To healthy teaching. Here's what I mean by that. You may recall the apostle Paul charging Titus, one of his protégés, Titus, in the book of Titus, to teach what accords with sound doctrine. Right? That's Titus 2.1. Tells him to teach only what accords with sound doctrine. That word sound there means healthy. Sound means healthy. Okay, your Bibles may even have a footnote mentioning that in Titus 2.1. All right? So that, so devote yourselves to the apostles' teaching, to healthy teaching. This is the pattern all throughout the book of Acts. Right? This is the pattern all throughout the book of Acts where we see a devotion to healthy teaching from the apostles' teaching it, to them preaching it, and prioritizing it, okay? And not only just the apostles, but the rest of the believers. The rest of the believers, the congregation, listening to it, learning it, loving it, and being shaped by it. This is the pattern that we see throughout the early church, that the apostles and the congregation of believers as a whole, devoting themselves to the teaching of God's word, learning it, preaching it, sharing it, studying it, et cetera, et cetera, and being shaped by it. And what resulted from that was fruit within their lives and the whole church as a whole. A devotion, as you see, and we're gonna look at a couple of texts here in just a minute, a devotion to God's word, right? only results in fruit. It results in fruit. Some examples of this, so I'll read some of these uh, and then um, want to encourage you to jot some of these down and peep them later. I'm going to read some and then I'm going to give you something to jot down and peep later, but here, here, here's one of them, uh, a familiar one. So the apostles in Acts 6 were called into a situation where a group of widows were being neglected in the distribution of the food there, right? And listen to how they respond. Listen to how the apostles respond. So uh, Acts chapter 6, if you want to turn there, you can look there with me. Starting at verse 2, it says, And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, so that full number, they're talking about the congregation, the full number of the believers, the gathered believers, right? So, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, verse 3, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, 
and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. So that's Acts 2. I mean, sorry, Acts 6, 2-4. And here's essentially where the deacon ministry was birthed, right? The deacon ministry was birthed. Now, I, I, don't want any, I don't know if anybody is doing this, but, but I want to caution you if you are. I don't want you to see this as a knock, right? I don't want you to see this as a knock for the apostles to say, yo, we're going we gonna, to we, we're gonna have some others, you know what I mean, some other folks, you know what I'm saying, uh, do these things, but we're going to devote ourselves to these things. I want you to see that as a, as a knock for them to delegate these types of things to, to others, no, the, the apostles here, and even as we think about pastors today, are to prioritize the word and prayer. They, that's, that's the nature of the role as a pastor and as an apostle then, but as pastors today, to prioritize the word and prayer as their main responsibility. Right? You see that in Acts you know, 6 here. You see that in you know, 1 Timothy you know. Chapter 3, Titus 1, you see that all throughout, you know, really throughout the scriptures surrounding what the pastor's responsibilities are. What is the job duties of a pastor, right? But it's also the main priority, catch this now, of the deacons, of those serving in those diaconate type roles, because guess what? They too are serving the word. They are, yeah, you know, they are supporting the preaching of the word by serving in ways that doesn't distract or take away the pastors or leaders from the word or prayer, but instead complement what the pastors and elders and others are doing to proclaim that word. Does that make sense? That's what a deacon does. So what a deacon does is, is serve, right? And that's also what pastors do. I, I like how uh, one person, you know, puts it. He says that pastors are to be servant leaders and deacons are to be leaders who serve. Pastors are to be servant leaders. And deacons are to be servants who, you know what I mean, lead, right? And that's essentially what we see happening here. So pastors preach the word but deacons support the preaching of the word by helping to serve in these different capacities that complement the preaching of the word. Both working together, hear me now, both working together for what the main goal is. This is the main goal, Jesus and his word. That's what the two offices in the church are to be working for. Pastors, elders, same office, shepherds, same office, and deacons. Working together for the same goal, Jesus and his word. And what was the result, as we see here in Acts chapter 6? What was the result of that? Look at Acts 6, 7. Just the next verse down. Look at that. It says, it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Okay, pastors or apostles then, pastors, deacons working together for the same goal. What's the result? Fruit. 
Look at Acts 11.26. This is when Barnabas was, was doing a search party for Paul, right? It says in verse 26 of chapter 11, it says, And when he, Barnabas, had found him, Paul, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So Barnabas finds Paul, brings him to Antioch. For a whole year, they labored in the word. For a whole year, they met with the church there in Antioch and taught a great many of people. So you see this devotion to teaching from the apostles here and here in Antioch. The disciples there were first called Christians. Okay? A couple more examples. The crowds were giving glory to an evil leader, right? So Herod, and God takes him out, okay? Crowds were, were, were giving glory to an evil leader, Herod. God takes him out, and the word of God went forth as a result. Listen to Acts 12, 21 through 24. Here's what it says. It says, <clears throat> On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered oration to them. And the people were shouting the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. He was eaten by worms and breathe his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Again, seeing how the word, what we're talking about here is we're talking about a devotion to God's word and we're seeing the fruit being bared because of God's word and we're seeing how God himself preserves his word and continues to multiply his word greatly. This is what we see. Verse 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. In Acts 17, 11, the saints just didn't take Paul and Silas's words for themselves. What did they do? They, they studied to make sure that what Paul and Silas were was saying was true. They studied. I'm talking about the Bereans, the, the Bereans here that are listening to Acts 17, right? Listen to verse 11 of chapter 17 of Acts. It says, now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Right? So you see, the, the Bereans there, they received the word. It says they received it with eagerness. But they also examined the scriptures themselves. Daily, it says. To see if these things were so. To see if these things were so. Some more examples to peep in your own time. Just to kind of continue that same theme of this devotion to the word. To healthy teaching. Look at Acts 13.12. Just write these down. Acts 13.12. Acts 17.19. Acts 18.11. Acts 19.20. Then Acts 20, 20, and then also Acts 20, 31. Just check those out in conjunction with the ones I've just read later today or whenever you have time to see this theme continuously like teased out. 
But I think you, I think you get the point. I think you're tracking with me as to where I'm going with this, right? If not, the point is this. This is the whole point of where I'm getting at. The believers devoted themselves to the teaching of God's word. This is what we see here in the book of Acts. The believers themselves devoted themselves to the teaching of God's word, to the healthy teaching of God's word. So the apostles' teaching was and is biblically sound teaching, biblically healthy teaching, okay? This is what the apostles taught. And where did the apostles get this teaching from? Where did they get this teaching from? They got it from Jesus. They got it from Jesus himself. The apostles' teaching is what they received from the Lord Jesus. As the Lord Jesus himself taught biblically faithful, taught healthy teaching. He himself is the word, the word incarnate. Solid teaching from Jesus. You remember the Great Commission? What did Jesus command them to do and us disciples today to do? What does he say? It says in 18 through 20 of chapter 28, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Emphasis there. Teaching them. This is what he tells the apostles, the disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Like how one scholar puts it in thinking about Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he says, he says, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 expresses the task as teaching them to observe all I commanded you. It likely would have included all kinds of instruction, like what we see in the Gospels and epistles. Okay, so the, all the, the letters, right? Starting from Romans on through all the letters. So the Gospels and Epistles, ethical and practical teaching and a grounding in the central promise God had given in Jesus. So the way he was talking about here is like, this is likely what he is telling them to tell others, right? To teach. And the Apostles' writings, so they received it from Christ, right? But also the Apostles' writings and the writings to come, and every author of the entire Bible wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So we have 66 books in the Bible. We have roughly 40 different authors, okay? With God being the main sovereign author over the Bible, him preserving the truth of his word, not allowing any error to come into his word. So the Bible is infallible, is in error, is without error. Because God preserving his word, using imperfect men, imperfect men, to pen the words of his holy scripture. This is what God has done to preserve his truth. Think about 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. What does it say? It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. 
and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture, every book of the Bible, breathed out by God, came from God. God being the main <clears throat> sovereign ruler over all books of the Bible. This is God's word. So we've been looking at what the apostle teaching was and is essentially healthy teaching, sound teaching, good biblical healthy teaching. Now, I, I, I want you to continue to notice the priority of this element, okay, about the apostles' teaching. Notice that it's first on the list. Notice that it's first on the list. When you think about the elements that the disciples, the first church, the early church devoted themselves to, it says that the apostles' teaching is the first on the list. This is the first one that's listed. There's a primacy with the word of God to the accurate teaching of the word, which means it is of most importance. God's word being of most importance. I like how Dr. Tony Marita says this here about the primacy of God's word. He says, Luke tells us that the church was devoted to certain activities. At the top of the list is the study of the apostles' teaching perhaps noted for emphasis since the word of God informs everything else. The word of God informs everything else, right? So the word of God here as the first element that they devote themselves to informs everything else. It informs their fellowship. It informs the breaking of bread, right? Uh, a right practice of the biblical ordinances, right? So the Lord's Supper that we're going to do uh, here in just a bit and baptism. The word informing everything else, informing prayer, informing their entire fellowship and what they are to do, right? So the question for us then, church, is this word, is the word of most importance to you? Is it of most importance to me? It should be, if it isn't already. It should be. Here's another reason why. When Paul was given instruction to the Galatian church, in the book of Galatians, to guard the gospel, and essentially the guarding of the word, he didn't just say to the pastors there that they were responsible for protecting the gospel, did he? For protecting God's word. No, he said to the whole congregation, to the whole congregation, this is your responsibility. This is our responsibility. Listen to Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. You can turn there if you like. Here's what he says. This is Paul talking to the churches in Galatia. He says, <clears throat> I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, 
So now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. So church, it is, it is your, it is our responsibility, right? It's your responsibility, essentially, to fire me. To fire me if I am preaching anything that's contrary to God's word. If I am preaching a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all, it is your responsibility, the gathered congregation, the members of this church, to fire me. It is also the congregation's responsibility to lovingly G-check our members, to lovingly G-check other members of this church. If you see any of our members going off the rails as it relates to teaching, as it relates to what they believe and what they are to teach, it is the congregation's responsibility to lovingly G-check us all and say, no, 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 no. This is not what we, yeah, this is not... Orthodox teaching, this is not biblical teaching, this is not sound. It's our responsibility. So I just want all of us to feel that weight. We all need to feel that weight. That is our responsibility to G-check, to lovingly G-check one another. Right? But here's the thing. We have to know healthy teaching. We have to know what's healthy and what's unhealthy in order to do that faithfully. We have to know that, right? Which means you and I, Christians, have to be devoted to knowing, to learning, to studying, to memorizing, and meditating on the truth of God's word. This is to be our diet, our daily diet, God's word. Knowing it, learning it. Asking the Holy Spirit to reveal his truth to us. And then obeying it. So we have to know what healthy teaching is in order to refute unhealthy teaching. So then what are some ways to distinguish between healthy and unhealthy teaching? But if you hear something that sounds a bit off, right, from sound doctrine... A few questions you may ask of that teaching could be this. Did Jesus teach it? Did Jesus teach it? Did he teach it? Number two, did the apostles teach it? Did the apostles teach it? Number three, is this the truth of scripture that has been taught in the history of the church from faithful believers? Is this the truth of scripture? Every word matters in that. I want you to hear every word and all those words bear weight. Is this the truth of scripture of God's word that has been taught in the history of the church from who? Faithful believers. Faithful believers. Number four, is it even in the Bible? Is it even in the Bible? And another question to go along those lines, has faithful exegesis, which means how, how this passage is interpreted, right, within this book, right? So think about the book of Acts and the, the chapter we're in, chapter 2, 
Has there been faithful exegesis done with chapter two in relation to chapter one of Acts and the rest of the book, the chapters of Acts, and not only just the book, but in uh, culmination of the entire New Testament? And not just the entire New Testament, but the Old Testament as well. Has there been proper exegesis? Has this passage, has this book been faithfully interpreted? Has that been done? These are just some questions. It could be more, but just some questions to ask of that false teaching. Did Jesus teach it? Because if Jesus didn't teach it, it's false. You could close the book there, right? Like, did this come from Jesus? Is God's word? Number two, did the apostles teach it? Number three, is this the truth of God's word that has been faithfully taught by faithful believers in the history of the church? And then lastly, is it even in the Bible? Because sometimes you hear things that be off, and it's not even in the Word. And it could be like, yo, something, 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 and it's not even in any of the pages of Scripture. It's nowhere to be found in the pages of Scripture. And then, to tie to that, if it is something along those lines in the pages of Scripture, has it been faithfully interpreted? Has it been faithfully interpreted? So these are just some questions you can ask family that I'm sure you're already asking, but just to continue to ask of God's word as we continue to devote ourselves to, to God's word and to healthy teaching. So some questions, some more questions for us, Christian, just to kind of, yeah, rhetorical questions just for you to ponder on is that are you devoted to healthy teaching? Are you Christian this afternoon devoted, again, devoted do you have a heart posture, a good heart posture for healthy teaching, for God's word? Are you devoted? Are you taking ownership? Are you devoted? Okay, then next, how devoted are you to healthy teaching? How devoted are you to healthy teaching? Again, do you see the primacy of God's word over all things? Do you see the importance of God's word and how it shapes everything that we do as a church? Shapes everything that we do as a church. How devoted are you to reading God's word? Again, in order to know what unhealthy teaching is, you got to be reading healthy. Yeah, you got to have a healthy reading of God's word, a healthy diet of God's word. Lastly, do you listen to healthy teaching regularly? Do you listen to healthy teaching regularly? So from faithful pastors, faithful pastors and leaders who are preaching God's truth, do you listen to them regularly? Are you regularly, again, reading God's word, to know God's word, to study and show yourself approved, but then also listening to healthy teaching? If you're not reading God's word and listening to healthy biblical teaching, would you even know the counterfeit if it crossed your ears? I don't know if you would. I don't think you would. And then are you devoted to letting God's word shape you as a result? That's the hope that, that we hear God's word, but as we hear God's word, that we don't say, er, and then think, you know what I mean, like our word or some other word is the word and not taking his word. 
Are you open? Are you allowing God's word to shape you? Am I doing that? These are just some questions, rhetorical questions, for you to ask yourself as you think about healthy teaching, as you think about God's word. For non-Christians, a question would be, what are you devoting yourselves to? What are they devoting themselves to? Jesus died, catch this, Jesus died so that the unbeliever could devote him or herself to him, his word, to knowing him, to knowing his word, and to devoting their lives to him. This is why Jesus died, so that we would know him. And this is the good news of the gospel, right? That we have fallen. We have sinned. I mean, think about what happened in the garden. Was this not? Was this not a miscommunicating of God's word? Was this a lie? Like Satan lied. And man and woman believed. God had already given them his word, his truth, final, period. Satan comes, and he deceives, and they believe another word. That was not his word. He twisted the word. And as a result of the twisting of the word and then believing the lies, they fell. We have fallen. And because we are fallen, we deserve God's wrath. We deserve his wrath poured out on us, his just judgment on us. But he sends his son, Jesus, the word, incarnate word, comes, lives a perfect sinless life that none of us could ever live, dies a death on the cross that we all deserve, and is buried and raised from the dead on the third day. Because of his life, burial, his life, death, burial, and resurrection, we can now be forgiven of all of our believing of lies and living lies and all of our sin. Be forgiving of all that, all our trespasses, and be made right with God. So non-Christian, if that's you this afternoon, my encouragement for you would be to trust Jesus, to believe his word, and devote your life to it. Devote your life to it this afternoon, as Christians here in this room are doing the same. Because he is the only one who has the words of eternal life. Amen? That's Jesus. There's no one else. Nothing else. Don't be duped, yo. Don't be duped by the world. Don't be duped by the lies of this culture to tell you that there's another truth, that there's another word that you should bank your life on. There's only one truth, that being of God. We are to bank our lives on his, on him. And not only that, Christians in the room, may this gospel that we just 
walked through and are reminded of. May the gospel be the motivation by which you devote your lives to healthy teaching. May the gospel be what motivates you. It is the thing that actually has put you up on game of God's word and has given you access. The gospel itself has given you access to the truths of God's word. And now let the gospel continue to be what motivates you to devote yourselves to God's word, to devote yourselves to healthy teaching. Let this be what motivates you. Let this be what drives you. The good news of the gospel itself. And if there has been some, some levels of murkiness there or some, some maybe not devoting yourselves to it, we do it all imperfectly. Let the gospel wash over you this afternoon and remind you that God is not, he is not tallying up how many times you have not devoted yourself to God's word. He's not tallying up how many times you've missed your quiet time. He's not tallying up any of those things. There's no board. Instead, the gospel has broken the board. The gospel has broken that board and said, yo, look to me. Just, just look to me. Trust me. You are not condemned, but you are forgiven. And that is, that is the hat that every Christian wears. One of forgiven, not condemned. Amen? Praise the Lord. So let that even motivate you to come to God's word. He's not condemning you. He's welcoming you. He's welcoming you. Look to him, believe upon him, continually and trust him. Amen? Amen. Amen. So here's what I'm going to do in the time we have left. Really quick, uh, as we come to a close, I, I want to give us just a few reasons and applications uh, to devote ourselves to healthy teaching uh, that are similar to the questions I asked before. And then I'm out your way. Just a few reasons, a few ways to apply uh, what we've been thinking about. Uh, number one, so again... These are the ways that we are applying uh, and uh, reflecting on um, yeah, what we've been thinking about, <clears throat> devoting ourselves to, to healthy teaching. So number one is what Jesus taught. So this is why, this is why you are to devote yourselves to healthy teaching is because it's what Jesus taught. Jesus taught healthy, sound teaching. So as a result, believers are to yeah, devote ourselves to his teaching, to healthy teaching. Number two is what the apostles taught, okay? Number two, same thing, following in the same vein as Jesus, the apostles taught healthy teaching. So here's reason number two, believer, why you are to devote yourselves to healthy teaching, the apostles taught it. Number one, Jesus taught it. Number two, the apostles taught it. Number three is what the church was and is built on and sustained by. This is what the church has been built on. We see this in the early church right now. Acts 2. First Christian sermon from Peter. The saints there devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. And everything from the apostles' teaching from God's word is what shaped the church. It's what the early church 
has been known for in all churches, all gospel preaching, Bible-believing churches since, devoting themselves to healthy teaching. And it's what we as a church here today in 2023 are to devote ourselves to as well. Amen? Amen. Number four, it's also what God, and God is amazing, y'all. Check this, y'all. Like, it's what God has preserved for generations and generations to come. God himself is devoted to preserving healthy teaching. Did you catch that? God himself is devoted himself to preserving, sustaining, healthy, biblically sound doctrine. That's the other reason why you should devote your life to it. Number five is what we should build our lives on and give our lives to. Again, in just our time here, we saw the apostles and the believers in the early church. There's a primacy to God's word. It's the first priority of God's word there. And it should be the same for us as Christians. It's of most importance. God's word, Jesus himself. All right, that's number five. And number six, just, just by way of, yeah, encouragement slash challenge. One, be in the word. Be in the word. Be in the word. Whatever you have to do, family, to get into God's word daily, regularly, you do that. You do it. May I do it. Why? You have no life apart from God's word. This is life, like God himself, his word. This is to be your life. So it's the same thing, like, you don't go a day without eating. If you do, we need to talk about that. We want to talk about that. I want to encourage you not to go a day without eating or, or go a day without drinking water. You don't go a day without sustenance in that sense, do you? If not, over time, yeah, over time, you might not be here. <laughs> so in the same way as God's word, as sustenance, I mean, what does Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from his mouth, right, from God. So if man cannot live by bread alone, Jesus said that, that's word, then it's very much true, saints, that we cannot live without God's word. So be in the word. Set that alarm. If you're an early morning person or whatever, whatever that means for you, you know the applications of this. Get in God's word. Be in his word regularly. Secondly, so be in the word. Number two, be where the word is. Be where the word is. All right? So praise the Lord. We are gathering here this afternoon. We are being where the word is, right? This is where the word is taught faithfully by God's grace. Week in and week out, whether it's myself, whether it's Brother Brock, whether it's Brother Rick, whoever it might be, this is, this is where the word is in our Sunday gathering, in our Bible studies, right? Come to Bible study. Come to Bible study, okay? I know sometimes... Life happens. That's understandable. I get it. Life happens to me. Life happens to all of us. I get it. But if you can help it, be in Bible study. Come gather with us as we study God's word 
whether that's in person, we also got it on Zoom, right? It should be full. It should be full. We're on Zoom. You can just log in. You know what I mean? If you're eating, ain't no, ain't, no, ain't no judgment. Grub. Get it in. Be at Bible study as often as you can. Don't hear that as law. Hear that as God's grace to us. Hear that as God's grace as another opportunity for us to be in God's word together as a body. Amen? Amen. Go to your discipleship groups. Okay? Go to your discipleship groups. Right? We got our pods as we have them now. Be faithful to them. Be faithful to them. Right? For the ladies, be faithful to them. For the guys, let's be faithful to it. Right? Let's continue to gather as often as we are able to to dig into God's word together. Okay? So meet with your discipleship groups. Meet in one-on-one discipleship. Okay? Meet in one-on-one discipleship. So, yeah, do the discipleship groups, but sometimes in one-on-one settings, and I know this is happening, do that. Be faithful to that. One-on-one. Okay? In your discipleship groups. And the list can go on and on and on and on. Just want to encourage us and challenge us for this year. Let's be about and let's continue to be about God's word. Amen. And about healthy teaching, sound doctrine. Again, take ownership over that. Get there. Do whatever you need to do. See it as priority because it is priority. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lastly, and I'm out your way. One of the ways as I was, as I was praying and thinking about uh, how we might be able to apply a sermon like this uh, is one, and I'm going to be working on this and have started already, but I want us to have a workshop uh, where we would think about how to study the Bible together. Okay, So, so having a, a day or a half day where we're looking at the history and theology of the Bible and then how to study the Bible. So be, have your, yeah, have your eyes open, have your eyes peeled for, <clears throat> for an email that will come out here soon about that time. And if it works for you, please come and invite others. It's open to the community, open to whomever. Uh, and, and, and that's another heart too, right, of mine, wanting us as a church, but wanting our community, others in our community. There are some already, but for those who, yeah, are, are, who have questions about the Bible, uh, who, yeah, have some different, you know, misunderstandings about the Bible, this is for them too, right? We want to invite others because we want everybody here in Congress Heights, throughout this city, throughout the ends of the earth, to be enamored with God's Word. Amen. And to be in love with God's Word. Amen. And the right understanding of God's Word, the application of God's Word. Amen? Amen. So be, keep your eyes peeled for that. I'll be coming soon and plan accordingly to come and be a part of that, that day. All right? I'm out your way. Family, devote yourselves to healthy teaching. Devote yourselves to healthy teaching. Let's pray. As Sister Nikki comes back, let me pray. Father, do just that. Please help us to continue to devote ourselves to your word, to healthy teaching, and to the right interpretation of your word and application of your word. Do that, Lord, in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.